Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis and this Abe Books podcast is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today it's very much a Canadian show. I am joined by Amy Peake who is the owner of Bison Books in Winnipeg in Manitoba. Bison Books began in the year 2000 under the ownership of a bookseller called Michael Park. Amy, who was trained and mentored by Michael, took over the business in 2010 when it moved to its current location on Graham Avenue. Now, Bison Books offers around 20,000 books for sale. It's an antiquarian bookstore, but it doesn't really look like one from the outside thanks to a bright modern glass frontage. You will find books about indigenous studies, Canadian art and literature, and Western Canadian history, and much more. So, welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. It's, uh, it's nice to be speaking to you. All right. Uh, first question. Let's start way at the beginning. Uh, you've actually been a bookseller for a long time now. How did you first enter the used and rare bookselling business? Entirely by serendipity. Um, it was the mid-90s, and I was out for coffee with some friends. Um, I'd just finished, a, well, I think, a year off of university and um, was looking for a job to support my university um, requirements. And I walked by Greenfield Books on the way out for coffee and saw a help-wanted sign in the window. Um, I took my resume in a couple of days later and got an interview and I was just recollecting the other day that I still remember what I wore to that interview. <laughs> um, I got a second interview after that, and uh, the rest is history, I guess. So had you thought of being in the book business or, or even in the retail business at all? Not really. I had been in retail. I'd always had one or two part-time jobs through high school and, and throughout university as well. Um, generally retail and when I was a kid I wanted to be an editor so um, I'd always had an affinity for books but uh, I hadn't practically considered being in the business in any way. So it sounds like uh, you you owe a lot to the original owner of Bison Books, Michael Park. What was he like? Um, Yes, Michael Park uh, at the time I was working for him he was uh, he owned Greenfield Books he hadn't yet opened Bison Books Um, Michael was, um, I think, one of the most intelligent people I've ever known, and you know, there are a lot of intelligent people that come in the door here. Um, he was also extremely well-informed and well-spoken. It sounded as if he had put together his sentences in advance of speaking to you. Um, it could have the effect of intimidating some people, um, but um, he always got his point across. Uh, more than anything, he was unflaggingly ethical, um, <clears throat> always adhering to strict standards. Um, he was hard working, working six or seven days a week, including evenings, uh, even when I only had to work five. Um, yeah, he'd be at his desk in the evenings. And he was a very loyal friend. You were, So you were just a, a 21-year-old at the time? Would that be correct? I was 19. You were 19. So did you feel intimidated by perhaps someone who's so knowledgeable and experienced? Yes, at first I found him intimidating. Um, He had a very matter-of-fact manner about him, which could come off as gruff. 
Um, and I remember him uh, calling me into his office after I'd, I hadn't been working for him long, and he wanted to grill me about what I thought of uh, Canada Council grants for the arts and, and have a philosophical discussion with me. And I, I think I, I didn't have much to say that day, but um, I learned that he was very tolerant of discussion and differing opinions, and um, we had uh, different ideas about politics and many other things, but we could always discuss them and, and go away friends. So when did you realize that the antiquarian book business was the business for you? I think after I'd been running Bison Books for maybe five years, um, I realized that not only did I love books, but I loved book people, and I loved the challenge of business. Um, all of those things kind of have to come together if you want to own a, an antiquarian book business. And uh, they all seem to be present, at least the desire for them <laughs> is present in me. Right. And how did that transition happen from going from being a, a, an employee to, uh, to being an owner? Well, Michael had installed me as a manager when he opened Bison Books as his second store um, and kind of left me more or less on my own to figure it out for myself. Um, years later, when I realized I had achieved figuring out for myself more or less, I realized I wasn't, uh, I didn't have the personality to work for someone else uh, for very long. And so I just approached Michael and discussed it with him. And uh, the timing surprised him. Um, I think he expected me to wait until I'd had children and so on before I before I pushed him out of the way. <laughs> uh, but he was open to the conversation, and we negotiated, and I purchased half of the business from him shortly after the discussion and the other half three years later. Right, okay. And perhaps you can describe the, the store to us. Um, you have an excellent Instagram account where we often see you posting what is coming into the store and, and sometimes what the store looks like itself, but uh, perhaps you can describe the store to us. Well, today it's very snowy out on the sidewalk. We had a lot of snow overnight, so if you could get here, um, you would see the windows that you referred to in the intro, um, which are my favorite thing about this location. They start at the sidewalk and they go up to the ceiling, which is 20 feet feet tall. Um, it affords quite a nice quality of light into the shop and um, it's always nice and bright in here even on a cloudy day. Um, <clears throat> so it's airy. Um, if, when you come in we hope that uh, someone will greet you and smile at you. Um, we try to keep the shop welcoming um, but it is also refined. We have an antiquarian, a growing antiquarian section on one uh, side of the shop and the other side of the shop houses the general stacks. Um, we try to keep them pretty well organized and um, well stocked but um, not cra crowded or cramped we hope <laughs> most of the time. Did I see a picture of a bookstore dog on one of your Instagram posts? Yes, well, she's in training. Um, <laughs> she's just a puppy, my dog Scout, and uh, she's large and um, very enthusiastic, so I think it's too much for some people as yet. I think she needs to chill out a bit before she can become a daily fixture. All right. Uh, you, you mentioned the snow. So here in Canada, obviously, uh, Winnipeg is famous for its winter, and you are located in downtown Winnipeg. Um, mm -hmm. How does the weather affect you, your business? Um, well, in general, we're a pretty hardy bunch. Some winter days are pretty quiet, but we take that opportunity to catalog new inventory and catch up on 
um, things that we've been not not been able to get to for a while. Uh, also, when it's cold like this, it's, it gets very quiet. The snow lends very quiet mood to the city. Um, so even when there are people in the shop, it's, it tends to be a little bit understated, and it, it almost feels like a retreat these couple of months in Winnipeg. So it's a good opportunity to reassess um, goals and priorities and maybe even move things around in the shop or um, just consider where, where I want the shop to go. Right. Many, many years ago, I, I met another bookseller from Winnipeg, and she described a winter uh, that the arts community is actually extremely active. There are a lot of bands practicing indoors. There are a lot of readers and writers and creative types all creating during winter, but all indoors in order to avoid being outside, really, I guess. That sounds like something I would say, yes. <laughs> uh, we have a great art scene here in Winnipeg. Um, lots of galleries, lots of bands playing, um, lots of creative in- endeavors going on uh, while everybody hibernates in the winter. Right. So um, all of these years later, you're, you're now a, a very experienced um, rare bookseller. Um, so so what, what interests you each day? What motivates you to come to work? Well, thank you. Um, I still feel like I'm new at this, which I think is probably part of the reason that I find it interesting every day. There's always something new to learn, which I've has become crystal clear to me as I've met some of the world's best booksellers traveling around in the last few years, as I have. Um, there's just so much more to learn, and I feel very humbled by my colleagues and what they know and what they do with their days and their lives and what kind of books they get to handle. Um, I love running the business. It's no joke to run a uh, business in downtown Winnipeg, and so that always keeps me challenged, which is important for me. Really, the core of it, though, is the people for me. Um, it's the book community, whether it's the, the friendly faces that are regulars in the shop or people who come in for the first time and are um, find a book they want or imp- are impressed by the shop or uh, an online customer that I've ever never actually met in the flesh. My employees are wonderful, so it's always nice to come in and see them. Um, and, of course, the books. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the books. You never know when you're going to uncover a treasure in somebody's basement or in a box that someone brings into you. Um, and the those wonderful historical items that uh, have so many details to uncover and appreciate are really a treasure to, to be able to deal with every day. But I also like the stacks of paperbacks that come in or, um, you know, a collection of cookbooks comes through the door. I love that stuff. I love finding a book for a person and, and having them leave happy. So what was the last book you, you uh, sold to a customer? Well, I have to say today I've been hiding behind my desk and my colleague Asia has been manning the front counter, okay. so I don't think I have handled a, a transaction today, um, although somebody did uh, send me a DM on Instagram asking me to put aside a Bukowski book that was in a stack I posted earlier. Okay, okay. <laughs> right. Um, do you still handle the uh, acquisitions? You talk about finding treasures, but do, do you, are you the buyer? Do you, do you yes. go out and look for books? Yes, I have one colleague who does some buying, but I do the, the majority of it, and I do all of the antiquarian um, acquisitions and all of the appraisals for the shop, and any um, collections development work or anything like that is handled by me as well. 
So how, how far will you travel to, to look at someone's collection with the possibility of purchasing it? Well, it depends how good the collection is. I suppose I'd go pretty well anywhere. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> um, so back to the books. Um, perhaps you can describe what the most remarkable book that you perhaps handled last year was. Um, in 2019, in the spring, um, I appraised a copy of the 1499 Hypnerotomachia Polyphily, um, which is considered to be the most beautiful illustrated book of the Renaissance. It's a famous book in the antiquarian book world and enigmatic, uh, printed by Aldous Minutius. Um, and I got to examine it page by page and check the watermarks and the provenance and, and research the book binder, look for every little um, intricacy of right. this item. And that was a, a treat in itself. And then I got to come back to the shop and, and research the details and discuss the book with um, friends and colleagues. And, and the whole experience was really enriching. And how did you come to be handling and looking at that book? Um, it was owned by somebody who had to mail it somewhere, and um, they needed to insure it for the um, to have it mailed safely, and right. so for insurance purposes, they required a, an appraisal. And for a book of that age, was it fragile? No, it was. Re this book was rebound in the twentieth century. Right. Okay. And oftentimes when you look at books from that era, um, the, the paper is made of different materials. It's called rag paper. Um, it's a lot more supple and soft than paper, the paper we see now. It seems to last quite, quite well. Um, the format of the book is, is really um, an engineering marvel, the way that books last when they are made in the way that they originally were made is, is incredible. Now, when I was perusing your, your website, it also described or mentioned that you, you're in the antiques business as well. How does that work? Um, I work at Dominion Auctions. We have five auctions a year. Um, there are only two of us who run it, so it's a very small operation. Um, it's a good dovetail with the bookstore um, because there's a lot of overlap in the um, knowledge base and also the clientele. Um, we sell art, jewelry, furniture, carpets, etc. So I presume antiques of that nature also require similar sort of research that you would be doing on a, on a, on a rare book, I guess? In some cases, yes. Okay, okay. All right. Um, one, uh, one more question. Um, again, back to the books. <laughs> what uh, book or books are you currently reading? I'm reading a few books at the moment. I try to take a little bit of time in the middle of the day to read um, when I take my lunch break at work. Um, I'm reading Romney's Printer's Error um, at lunch right now. It's usually a book, a book about books that I read at, at work. Um, at home, I'm reading uh, Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential and uh, a new book by Emily Fletcher called Stress Less, Accomplish More. Um, I also read to my kids. A lot, um, and we're just—they were away for a week after Christmas, so we're still just finishing up Dickens' Christmas Carol, and uh, hoping to continue on with the Narnia series after that. Right. Yeah. Some good books there. Some some ones that I know. Yeah. Kitchen Confidential is one of my favorite ones, actually. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's uh, illuminating. <laughs> 
yes, I find it quite sad that he's actually not around because you read his books and um, he's a super writer. But then the TV shows also are quite quite illuminating where I see him traveling around the world. Yeah, his character really comes across in his writing. Um, it's The author's voice is very clear. Right. And it's easy to relate to on one level or another. I'm, I'm not sure um, I would want to have gone through some of the things that he has, but um, it's fun to read about. Yes, yes, indeed, yeah. It started me off reading um, a whole series of food memoirs after that, and I convinced me that I definitely do not want to be a chef. No. <laughs> it's true, me neither. Yeah. I, I also like food memoirs. Yeah, Heat yeah. by Bill Buford is also yes, an yes. excellent one. I've read that one. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and um, Comfort Me with Apples. Yes, yeah. There's That's another good. one called Blood, Bones and Butter by a lady called Gabrielle somebody. Yeah. And she's yep. a lady chef, and uh, that's also very tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, super. Excellent. Um, Amy, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Um, My pleasure. Thank you. Lovely, thank you, yes. Uh, that's all we have time for this week. I would like to give a big thank you to Amy Peak, the owner of Bison Books in Winnipeg in Manitoba. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all again soon. <laughs>